but but here's the catch the way you get it is by giving it and so really uh the first blessing is the one that you receive from god and then the way it turns into a double blessing is when you bless others and of course this is as ancient as the abrahamic covenant that we are blessed to be a blessing Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is David Bloom, and I'm here with my co-host, Alan Briggs. And I had the privilege of interviewing Mark Batterson, and uh, we got to talk about his new book called Double Blessing. And really, Double Blessing is all about this concept of, um, really, it's not, uh, truly, we don't get to experience the blessings of God until we learn how to um, flip the blessing is what Mark says. And it's this idea that, you know, a huge portion of the way that we're blessed as followers of Jesus is through blessing others. And that God actually will allow us to steward more in our leadership and in our ministries when we have a posture of generosity and a posture of blessing. And so it's a really interesting conversation, I think, especially for leaders in ministry who might struggle with that idea of blessing um, and might sit in a scarcity mindset or a martyr mindset, which I've struggled with myself. And uh, But it's a great conversation. But Alan, you've actually gotten to meet Mark in person. How did that come about? Man, I, I think the world of Mark, he is just the real deal. And we had one of the coolest ways to ever meet. We were literally kind of having a living funeral for Eugene Peterson as Eugene was still alive. And he came out here to Colorado and there was a gathering of Christian leaders. And we just got to sit and soak in his wisdom for two days. And I was seated. Mark was on my right and Sally Lloyd-Jones was on my left. And so if you can just imagine, I mean, those two are prolific, prolific writers. And me, um, as a small-time writer, gets to sit next to these two big, big, big-time writers. Um, and they just gave me so much wisdom. And we talked about writing and their own leadership and how they do what they do. But what I was so impressed with with Mark, with Mark was just his humility. He is just so humble, so down-to-earth. And that's what I had heard about Mark. And obviously, God has given him a massive platform for writing, doing some incredible things through them in Washington, D.C. And the more I hear about their church, National Community Church, the more I just deeply respect it. And the risks that they're taking, they have a dream center there. They're serving their local community, have an amazing award-winning coffee shop there um, that once was a drug house. I mean, just some incredible things that they are part of right there in our nation's capital. I just think the world of Mark. And what's interesting is I was at a really low point and I got to hear from Eugene Peterson, I got to be encouraged by tons of incredible leaders in the room, but especially by my conversations for those two days with Mark. And I I remember Mark just followed up with me afterwards, and we connected a little bit over email. I shared a little about some of the bumps and barriers we were hitting that season, and he actually went to bat for me and for the ministry I was leading at the time for church planners and was able to find us a grant out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't ask for it, and that's just the kind of guy that Mark is. And so I see those kind of things um, happening in his life and ministry. And within this book, Double Blessing, he kind of debunks a lot of the things that we think about blessing. Like it's just kind of a cheap thing that's supposed to shower from the sky. And he actually talks about the work that it takes to be able to dig in and hone our craft and to be able to ask God for blessing, to kind of wrestle with him for that blessing. And so uh, I love the book. And even beyond that, I just love Mark and who he is. He's such a generous and generative leader. 
And uh, those few days marked my life. I remember them being uh, one of the lowest points of ministry and leadership for me, thinking maybe God's done with me. I don't know what's next. I don't know if we can go on. And through Mark and Eugene Peterson and Sally Lloyd-Jones, God just kind of gave me caffeine for the soul those few days to continue going. And uh, I just loved watching Mark and um, his just continued huge success, but he continues to push that off to raise up other people. And so just our honor to have Mark here on the podcast and uh, David, for you to get to interview him is, is just a blast to have him here. So it is our pleasure to introduce this conversation about his new book, Double Blessing, with Mark Batterson. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I get the privilege of having a conversation with Mark Batterson, who's a best-selling author who's written an insane amount of books. And he's also the pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., which is doing some really innovative stuff and amazing things to bless and reach that city. So, Mark, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, David. Good to be with you. Awesome. Well, about a month ago, right, your new book called Double Blessing was released, and I'm excited to dig into that. But before we unpack your new book, can you give the folks listening a little glimpse into your journey? How did God call you into ministry and where God has you right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm right now sitting in my office above Ebenezer's Coffee House, which we own and operate on Capitol Hill, about a mile from the Capitol, about three blocks from the Supreme Court. And uh, I have the joy of pastoring National Community Church, uh, one church, seven campuses here in D.C., about 50 percent single 20 something. So very young church and uh, with a heart for missions. We've taken 272 mission trips and uh, we are uh, engaged in uh, a lot of different things in the city, not just trying to build a church, trying to bless the city. So we have a. DC Dream Center, and uh, right now building out a new campus uh, on Capitol Hill. And so uh, I guess never a dull moment. Yes, that's awesome. Well, I loved hearing about some of the things that you're into. You're not just about building a church, but about blessing the city, which is a huge concept within this book. And the, the book's called Double Blessing. And let's first describe or define this concept. What do you mean by double blessing? Yeah, I think the place to start, David, is the fact that before original sin, there was original blessing. And that sequence is incredibly significant. Blessing is God's most ancient instinct. Uh, This is who God is. This is what God does, wants to bless us beyond our ability to ask or imagine. Now, it doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living, blesses us to raise our standard of giving. And in the book, talk a little bit about some habits of highly blessed people. But but here's the catch. The way you get it is by giving it. And so really, uh, the first blessing is the one that you receive from God. And, and then the way it turns into a double blessing is when you bless others. And of course, this is as ancient as the Abrahamic covenant that we are blessed to be a blessing. We miss out on so much when we start at Genesis 3, right? We miss out on the first two chapters and God's character and his intention and his design for us. And I don't know why we do that because often we miss out on a whole nother portion of, of what God, God had for us before we fell. Um, I love what you just said. And you write in the intro of the book, God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard 
of giving? And how, how do you think this paradigm affects our lives personally? And then more specifically, how do you think it transforms maybe the way we lead or maybe the way that you've led as you've wrestled with this idea? Yeah, well, you know, I know that there are a lot of leaders listening, David. And so, you know, I, I might even just say, I, I believe that we are called to lead with blessing. Uh, this is what Jesus told us in Matthew 10. He said, when you enter a home or enter a place, give it your blessing. And if it's worthy, the blessing will remain. And if it's not, the blessing will come back to you. You know, what I've found is that we tend to operate the exact opposite way. We do a quick moral assessment to see if someone is worthy of the blessing in our estimation. Then and only then do we bless. But that isn't what Jesus taught. I, I think it's pretty radical, this idea uh, to lead with blessing. And, you know, I realize that there's there's wisdom that has to be a part of that mix. And Jesus said, don't throw your pigs to pearls as well. Hmm. Uh, but but this idea of leading with blessing, how can I add value to everyone around me every day? I tell you what, you start leading with blessing and it really changes the game. Yeah, to lead with that as the kind of the assumption of how we lead rather than, you know, expecting something in return or kind of posturing ourselves of what can this person give back to me, but to lead with blessing could could radically change how we lead and how we just go throughout our life. Yeah. Well, David, I think it even then becomes a way of life. Um, I, I live by this little idea, flip the blessing. And it's pretty simple. I, I keep really good track of how people have blessed me. Hmm. And, and again, this isn't just material things. I think it's time, talent, and treasure. And in fact, the hardest thing for me to be generous with is my time. And so I keep track. I keep inventory. And then I find ways to flip that blessing for other people. So good. I want to unpack a tension that I, I think surrounds the topic of blessing. So it could be for a few different reasons. Maybe it's a reaction to some abuses of it in the name it and claim it circles, or it seems prevalent in pastors and even in my own life, this martyrdom mentality that I've wrestled with where you, li where you live with the assumption that God's blessing isn't really for us and God wants us to scrape by with a smile on our face. Or it's a scarcity mindset that some leaders have because, let's face it, a lot of churches are in decline if they're a pastor and um, leaders are just in survival mode. So why do you think Christians, and I would venture to guess most Christian leaders, can be averse to the language or the concept of blessing? Have you kind of sensed this tension with, with some leaders? Yeah, I have. And, you know, I really try to hit that head on in, in the book because, um, I, I love this this bookend that, that you know there's the the martyrdom complex on one side. Well, listen, John Wesley said, "Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can." Um, I, I believe God wants us to be a bigger blessing. And again, it's not just about monetary things, but that is a piece of the puzzle. And so that is kind of one faulty mindset. But I think the other one is the one that we're a little bit more allergic to. It's the health, wealth, and prosperity. And to that, you know, I would say that um, our, our culture totally gets it wrong. You know, we, we post pictures of exotic vacations with a hashtag bless. <laughs> and uh, listen, blessing, it, it, you cannot reduce it to a material thing. 
In fact, it's something you can't even put a price tag on. And so, and the crazy thing is, I don't know that we know enough up front to know whether something's a blessing or a curse. I think some things that we think are a curse end up being a blessing in disguise. Hmm. And then some things that we think are a blessing, well, we didn't steward it well, and it ends up being a curse. And so I think, you know, I try to go a few layers down in the book to really help people process it, but it doesn't make me back off of my theological hypothesis that God wants to bless us beyond what we can ask or imagine. And so I do think, though, it's important that we have a very nuanced and well thought out understanding of what that means. As I was reading, I kept thinking of this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, Mm. we are far too easily pleased. Yeah. And while I think we're far too easily pleased with drink, sex, and ambition, I think we're all too easily pleased with the status quo, with moving the goalposts in our ministries, with safe dreams, small enough that God doesn't really have to show up for us to accomplish them because they're safe and they're small. So for leaders that are listening, what might you say to a leader who settled into an anemic kingdom desire and dreams? What would you say to lovingly shake them up a bit Yeah, if they were in front of you? Well, I, the first thing I would say is show me the size of your dream and I'll show you the size of your God. You know, I think we we put God in this box where, you know, for us, a miracle is kind of the outskirts of our human ability. No, 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 no. I want God to do things that there's no way I could take credit for it. Um, You know, I I think um, if you had told me 23 years ago when we started with 19 people that, um we would take 272 mission trips over the last 17 years or give 20 million emissions or be resettling 65% of the refugees in DC or mm-hmm. even be building out a, a city block that about a $45 million project. I would have called you crazy, David. I, I would have said, I don't even have a category for that. <laughs> but God has blessings for us in categories we can't conceive of. And so I think what's so important is if God knows that he's going to get the glory, there's nothing that keeps him from blessing us. It's Psalm 84. No good thing will God withhold from those who walk up rightly before him. And so, wow, we're right back to where we started. Again, this is about understanding God's heart towards us. And I genuinely believe it is a heart of blessing. Um. Can you expand on the scope of blessing? You do this in the book, but you expand the idea that it's not just monetary, although that's a part of it, but it's also time, talent, and treasure. Can you unpack that a bit, both how we are blessed and then how we can bless others beyond just the the financial piece of it? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's as simple as a smile. Um, and, and, you know, that sounds simplistic, but uh, I think it's true. You know, the hardest thing for me to be generous with is my time. It's not my treasure. And I think talent would probably be second. Um, But I'll I'll just make it very practical. Um, Probably 20 years ago, when I had this calling to write, but I hadn't written a book yet, um, I called up a pastor in the DC area who uh, I knew um, had written a book. And 
I asked if he would have lunch with me. Here's the thing. I know he was too busy to take that meeting. I know it. But he took the time. He was generous with his time. And uh, that meant the world to me. And so what I've tried to do is now, if there is a first-time author, um, I do my very best to kind of help them, uh, coach them, and see if I can't give them a little bit of encouragement. And so it was that person's gift of time that meant the world to me. And uh, I think in a in a culture where we're so distracted, one of the greatest gifts you can give another person is simply undivided mm-hmm. attention. It doesn't cost you anything. It just uh, means you have to be fully present with the person that you're with in that room. We've got some big news for you. If you haven't heard it yet, our team at Stay Forth took about 10 months to develop an idea into a reality, and it is officially launched, and it is called the Right Side Up Journal. I'm holding it here in my hands, and it is a beautiful paper journal. That's right. We're going old school, so you no longer have to open up a laptop to be able to see our tools, no longer have to pull them up on your phone. We've taken our digital tools and we've put them into a three-month journey toward health and impact. So many leaders that I know and that I coach struggle to take an idea and make it a reality, struggle to put a goal down, track that goal, and to be able to check that off when we've accomplished that. Sometimes too, you get notes from a podcast, you get notes from a talk or a sermon and don't know where to put those down. You get an idea and we've made a journal that pretty much every leader can benefit from. Whether you are a content creator, a pastor, a tech guy, doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you are a leader who wants to grow, we've created a journal that we think has enough structure to it and also has enough space and freedom that it can work for just about anybody. But I haven't seen anything like it, and we essentially got to create the journal that we want to use as a team, and it is beautiful. It'll go to all of our coaching clients, We've already been using it. We've already been practicing on it, and I absolutely love it. And it is officially available now for pre-launch. That is pre-sale right now up to the 23rd of this month. So make sure that you grab it before then. If it's after November 23rd, then you wait till the 30th, and it will officially be available the day after Black Friday. That's Small Business Saturday. And by the way, there is a beautiful leather sleeve available. There's a limited quantity of those. And you can order the journal, which is a three-month journey for just 20 bucks. And you can also order the sleeve along with it that is a beautiful handmade leather sleeve. We are really excited about how this is going to unleash growth and productivity and health in more and more leaders. So make sure to get your right side up journal now. Order that for a friend, your spouse, coworker, or maybe consider giving it as a Christmas present to your whole team. That's www.rightsideupjournal.com, www.rightsideupjournal.com. Go there and reserve your journal today. Oh, that's so good. And and it, this comes really out of this concept that you have that you want to live by, which is flip the blessing. Flip the blessing. Can you explain that for our audience of what you mean by that? It's it's simple yeah. in theory, but it's not always the easiest to live out. What what do you mean by that idea? Yeah, well, let me have a little bit of fun. My first job was working at a gas station 
making minimum wage. And uh, one of my jobs was to take inventory every month. And if I did not inventory something that was missing, well, it didn't get restocked. And, and so I think that the first step in flipping the blessing is taking really good inventory. And this is where I would dig down a little bit. You know, an Orthodox Jew would pronounce 100 blessings per day. Mm. And so gratitude was a, an art form for someone who was Jewish. We, we have got to do a better job of this. In fact, the Talmud says that if we receive something from God, but don't give thanks for it, it's as if we have stolen it from mm. God. So the first half of this is taking inventory of our blessings. And I think that can be as simple as a gratitude journal, but then it doesn't stop, stop there. Then we flip the blessing. How? Well, we find a way to bless others, kind of this, like this pastor who was so generous with his time with me. I want to flip that blessing for someone else. And then we have fun with it. We just put our fingerprint on it and find a way to be a blessing to other people. That's that's awesome. I think that's one of the hardest places to start, especially if you're living in a scarcity mindset, is the first thing to go seems to be gratitude, where we stop celebrating. Maybe it's the little things, or we stop acknowledging the ways that God is at work because maybe we've kind of fallen into the trap that, you know, God's not working in the way that I want him to, and therefore I can't see what's really in front of my face. And do you, do you find that with leaders that that's maybe one of the hardest things for them to do is first acknowledge um, the blessing in their own life before they can flip it? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I think, um, in fact, I'll come at it from a personal angle. Um, for the longest time, I set getting goals and I was focused financially on, hey, how can we get to this point and that point and this point, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about financial independence or retirement. And then I flipped a switch and started setting giving goals. Mm. And uh, it was a game changer for me. It was that mindset shift because now I'm not focused on what's in it for me. Now I'm focused on how can I be the biggest blessing? And so I think personally, and then even as a leader, we've got to make sure that our mindset is is the fact that success is succession. Hmm. It's about the people who come behind us actually accomplishing more than we did. Um, but again, those are mindset issues. Do we really believe that it's all from God and it's all for God? I, I might even throw this little uh, piece in that, you know, I tell my pastor friends that I don't care if you pastor for 50 years, the same church, you're still an interim pastor. All of us are interim pastors. You know, Jesus didn't say, I will build your church. Didn't say you will build my church. He said, I will build my church. This is all about God. It's all from him. It's all for him. And when you have that mindset, it it frees you up uh, to actually be a, a blessing to everybody around you. Yeah. And you, you talk about that concept is kind of this, you know, circular logic, but it's this idea that, you know, God wants to bless people who he knows is going to faithfully steward it and give it away. God wants to bless people who are in a posture of generosity. Can you talk about that a little bit more for our, our audience? 
Absolutely. About 13 years ago, we turned a crack house into Ebenezer's Coffee House. And it's been voted the number one coffee house in D.C., um, wildly successful. And, and God has blessed it. Um, it's hard to even describe it. But can I tell you why I think he's blessed it? I, I think it traces back to a simple decision that we would give every penny of profit to missions. So the question is, what is there not to bless? I, I think that explains why God's hand of blessing, why we've been profitable and, and why we've had such an impact. And honestly, why uh, Ebenezer's has inspired so many entrepreneurs to step out into some of their own dreams. And so I do think it comes back to the fact that God knows our hearts. And if our hearts are in the right place, if it's not about personal gain, if it's about God's glory, then God is going to find a way to, to bless it beyond our ability, beyond, uh, you know, our, our best attempt, so to speak. Yeah. Really from the get go, it has to be um, to flip the blessing as the the starting point rather than if I get around to it or if we have enough profit or if I feel like I've succeeded enough, then I'll give it away. But that starting point is so crucial for leaders. Um, in in chapter two, you have a section titled Habits of Highly Blessed People. And one of our favorite ways um, to close a conversation is to ask how you personally stay healthy as a leader. And with keeping in the theme of of the conversation, can you leave us with one or more habits or rhythms that you incorporate that have helped you live a more full, abundant, and blessed life for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll share a few thoughts. And, you know, the first thought is this, that I don't trust leaders who don't walk with a limp. Hmm. And part of the reason why I'm saying that is I'm walking with a little bit more of a limp, uh, in part because of some of the blessings we've experienced. Now I'm taking this idea from the story of Jacob where he wrestles with God all night, hip gets thrown out of socket, but uh, you know, what he asked for is the blessing and he gets it. And so in some ways that limp is a reminder of the blessing that he was willing to fight for. And so we just came through a building project and uh, I heard that 65% of pastors quit after a building project that made no sense to me until we went through a building project. <laughs> um, I have had a few moments where I've been, uh, shall we say exhausted, but, but what I've learned is that the blessings of God will complicate your life. Now sin mm. will complicate your life in a way it shouldn't be complicated, but blessings will complicate your life in a way it should be complicated. Um, the one thing I would say there is that, and this is an important um, habit or rhythm for me is I would say putting boundaries in place has saved my life, hmm. maybe saved my marriage, maybe saved uh, my ministry. Um, you know, there was a point years ago where my wife said to me, this isn't what I signed up for. And it was a wake up call because I, I was going in too many directions well, mm -hmm. since that point, I've defined success. And for me, it's when those who know me best respect me most. And that's my wife and my kids. I, I want to mm -hmm. be famous in my home. And you can't be famous in your home if you're never home. And so I put some boundaries in place that I would not take more than 12 overnight speaking trips per year. 
And uh, it's actually now down to seven overnight speaking trips. And then I put other boundaries in place. You know, when our kids were young, I'll give the church one night a week. But the other nights, I need to be helping them with homework or coaching their team. And so I, I think it's about figuring out healthy and holy boundaries. It's really about pre-decisions. What decisions do you need to make before hmm. the decision to make sure that your priorities stay intact? Yeah, kind of the the big rocks in first mentality and Absolutely. then everything else can fall into place. Do you feel like you've become more effective and and more blessed when you've put those constraints on yourself? Because sometimes it's counterintuitive, right? You can't do as much as you initially could before those boundaries were on. But do you feel like you have become more effective and more blessed when you've put those boundaries in place? I, I do. And you know, to me, it's it's the less is more principle that, you know, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Mm. In other words, the way we spend our time is disproportionate. There are things that we do that have a greater return on investment. And right at the top of that list is prioritizing that relationship with God. And, uh, you know, that means things like Sabbath. Uh, that means things like, um, uh, you know, protecting your calendar. If you don't control your calendar, it is going to control you. And uh, in fact, I even put some of my appointments with God in my calendar and it mm. gives me a built-in excuse uh, <laughs> to say no to a few more things. Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing that I respect a ton about you, Mark, is your longevity in the same place. Do you have any kind of advice or was there a moment or a paradigm shift for you where you um, you just cared about faithfulness and longevity and, and how have you been able to kind of walk that path? Yeah, I had a father-in-law that planted and pastored a church for 31 years mm -hmm. uh, and, until he had a heart attack at 55, but he invested his whole life in one church and I saw the impact that you can have if you let your roots grow deep. Hmm. And so I, I actually asked the Lord for the privilege of pastoring one church for life. And, and that was never a guarantee. But 20, 23 years in, and I started young enough that uh, should the Lord tarry and should God be gracious enough to give me the capacity you know, it won't always be in a lead pastor role, but I have an opportunity to put a good 50 years into this thing. And uh, and so I just happen to believe in long obedience in the same direction that we, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a year or two, but we underestimate what God can do in 10 or 20. That's awesome. Well, and I want to personally encourage you and, and Alan, if he was here, he would say the same thing. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but with that whole idea of flipping the blessing, when Alan met you uh, when you were hanging out with Eugene Peterson, which was an amazing experience. But Alan told me that the way that you poured into him in a, a really a, a season where he was struggling to figure out what what his ministry was and he was feeling burnt out and um, and you and Eugene um, pouring into him meant the world and it helped him come out of that that moment of feeling crispy and feeling like he was going to burn out in ministry. Um, so the thing that you're talking about has been experienced at Safe Worth Designs with Alan. And that's part of the reason why he's um, doing what he's doing um, from that experience. So I want to encourage you for that, that you are very much practicing what you're preaching 
Um, and Alan's seen it. And I've, I wanted to share that with our audience. Um, Mark, as we close up, how can our folks connect with you or follow along with what you're up to? Yeah, well, I, I got onto Twitter and Instagram and Facebook early enough that somehow I got Mark Patterson, <laughs> and so I'm, uh, I've got those uh, those uh, places where I hang out a little bit, as well as MarkPatterson.com, and would love to connect it connect uh, in any of those contexts. Well, awesome. Mark, I appreciate your ministry and what you've done to um, young leaders all around the country and how you've encouraged us and poured into us, whether it's from a distance or up close. And so thank you for that. And to our audience, yeah, go go out and get double blessing. Um, it's, it's encouraging and challenging. Uh, and I know it convicted me um, as I wrestle through that martyrdom mentality sometimes as a pastor. So Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us. Hey, David, my joy and privilege and uh, double blessings. Well, hey, guys, we just wanted to give you one more reminder. Don't miss out on the chance to nominate a leader, a team, an organization, or a church who is cultivating health around them. We know that in this age, health just doesn't get celebrated. We live in an age of impact. You tend to hear about the big things, the leaders that are accomplishing things that you see on the, the front of magazines and that you see in your social media feeds. But what about the leaders who are just living faithfully? And there are so many of them. We coach some of them, we hear some of the stories, and we want you to help in this process. So here's how it works. You can go to stayforth.com backslash awards, and you can nominate a leader a team, an organization, a church, a business, doesn't matter, anyone cultivating health around them. You can go to stayforth.com backslash awards, choose the, from the five different categories we have on there, nominate that leader, and we will announce the winners on December 5th. Our team will decide who those folks are going to be, and we can't wait to platform those people through this podcast, through our social media feeds, and tell stories of health before impact. Guys, we are so passionate about this message. We want to change the conversation in Christian leadership to say that you don't ever have to do anything massive or impressive to do something that is faithful, that is God-honoring, and that is cultivating health in others around you. So don't miss the chance to nominate someone right here in the month of November for the Right Side Up Awards. We want to celebrate the unsung heroes that maybe nobody else is celebrating. Man, I'm so grateful for Mark and that he was willing to take some time to spend it with us and talk about his new book called Double Blessing. So there's a, a few different directions we can go um, to close out this episode, but really I want to hit on this idea of flipping the blessing. And it's really convicting. And the question that I want to leave us with is, do we have a plan? Do we have an idea of how we're going to flip the blessing? And here's what I mean by that. Some of us, most of us, if we're in leadership, probably have ideas and dreams and hopes and aspirations, things that we're working really hard for that we want to see happen in our leadership or our ministry. So we're asking God for, for big things, right? Oftentimes, big blessings and favor on our ministry. The question is, is what happens if we get it? What happens if we get it? Do we have a plan for how we're going to flip that blessing um, whether it's flipping it to your team, flipping it to the people that blessed you, flipping it out and equipping and multiplying the next generation of leaders like Mark talked about. 
And so that's the question I want to leave you with. Do you have a plan to flip the blessing once you finally get the blessing that you're after? So as always, thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for following along. And if you haven't, hit that subscribe button on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen to. Please follow along by hitting that subscribe button. Please uh, write a review or leave us a rating on iTunes. On iTunes, we have 95 ratings and we're so close to 100. And it would just uh, be awesome to hit that goal of 100. And so if you haven't left a rating or review, please do so uh, on iTunes or whatever platform that you use. And go check out all the things that we do with Stay Forth Designs at stayforth.com. Uh, we offer coaching, consulting. There's a bunch of resources on there, e- ebooks, articles, blogs, obviously this podcast. Um, but go see what we're up to. We're constantly trying to bring uh, you new content that adds value to your life and your leadership. And so, as always, we are crazy enough to believe that you can lead healthy for the long haul without losing your soul. Uh, thanks for following along, and we'll see you in the next episode. Shot, shot, we focus so long.